Saturday afternoon, it's Front Runner Podcast Collective, Hoop Brothers and Sisters. It is your host, Vince, and we are going to talk about a lot of the goings on in the NBA. But before we get to that, we're going to say, let's get on the subscription of the podcast. Follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, all major podcast platforms also please go ahead and follow us on x or twitter however you like to call it and that is front runner pc and also hit my guy nico at nico frpc and then we have the youtube channel and the youtube channel you can search it out by front runner podcast collective frpc events however you need to get it because the clips that end up on the YouTube channel usually will have maybe some information that we left out of the podcast. So make sure you're on that. Make sure you're getting that uh, properly. You know what I'm saying? So we try to make it happen for you guys. And uh, we're going to continue to do that. Now, with that being said, also, be a friend. Tell a friend. The podcast needs to grow. Um, the YouTube channel, the X, Twitter, social media, it needs to grow. So if you're liking what you're getting, pass it on to somebody else who's digging uh, hoops and, and uh, trade rumors and, and things of that nature. It is greatly appreciated. With all that being said, let's get into what's going on in the NBA. And where we're going to start is it's kind of a hot button subject right now it's on is it is it fair for uh joel and b and this games played new initiative that adam silver put into play as you know 65 games is the benchmark that you need to hit for uh getting the award so you're looking at um 17 games you can miss and then after the seven after you miss the 18th game you are now eliminated from these awards now all over digital media podcasts ESPN social media it's been a heated debate it really has and this is kind of where I fall on it I am not saying that Joel and B was not hurt Obviously, it's come out as of the last couple of days that he has a uh, tear in his meniscus. Um, they have not let us know how bad the tear is as far as that's concerned. They're taking the weekend to kind of figure all that out. So as soon as we know, you'll know on that. Um, this isn't even about playing 65 games. What this comes down to is that the rule was put in for one reason and one reason only. Okay. It wasn't for injured players. It was for players who randomly take off days. Okay. So for the people who are upset and looking for answers of why this injustice is happening. Keep in mind, 
the rule was collectively bargained between the NBA and the Players Association. All right, so they had to go ahead and ratify this. Now, I know there's, in those negotiations, there's a lot of give and take, and this is maybe one of the things that the owners stood on. And we're going to get to the reason why in one second. I want to reiterate about Joel Embiid. This is not a point towards him. This is this has nothing to do with him. It is unfortunate that he's hurt. It's unfortunate that we have this rule. But understand that it was collectively bargained. But the reason for this rule is simple. You come to this podcast every week because we talk about the NBA. You got TV rights, you got digital rights, and you got fervent fan interest. Okay? So that's the reason why this rule was put into place. I do not agree with the rule, but I understand why it is. Because everybody knows that a lot of these players, I don't know how you want to put it, I don't know if if, if it's considered like the Instagram generation, TikTok, uh, X, whatever, social media. I believe that these guys do not ever want to be embarrassed. And I think that if they're not playing at their most optimal uh, condition, they feel like they might get embarrassed. And yes, I understand that the game is athletically better i understand that there is a pace difference to the nba now i understand that the players are asked to do more i definitely understand that so do i understand why they they kind of cook in 16 to 18 games off a season so then when they get off when they're done with the game we see it every single night in the nba if somebody has a bad game, they are getting cooked on social media. Absolutely cooked. So we can't have it both ways. We can't have it where the guys play um, as close to 82 games as possible. And we'll get to that in a second. Um, and then be mad when they don't play or have scheduled rest days or, you know, they've been pushing it, you know, let's say, they played five of of they played five games and eight nights. Okay, I can understand maybe kind of spark you know spreading that out a little bit, right? I understand all of these things, but at the end of the day, the rule was put in because of the fact that they want to have the players on the court. Is the rule unfair? Yes. Can we fix the rule? Yeah. This is a real easy way to fix this rule. If you want the NBA players to play at their most optimal uh, condition and what have you, and you want to make the league a little more spicier, you want to also maybe create even better better revenue with your regional sports uh, markets, Scale the season back to 64 to 68 games. If you do it to the 68, that like bakes in your um, in-season tournament deal. You cut off 
you know, uh, four, you know, fourteen to eighteen games. You know, the thing is sixty-four or what is it? They play an extra game, right? With the in-season tournament, they only play one extra, right? So, if you play sixty-five, right? Because you're the team that goes to the in-season tournament. A sixty-four game schedule to me seems something that can be doable and especially when you get to 32 teams in the league which we are about to in three to four years now i don't know how you break that up maybe go to a nfl style where you don't play the entire uh other conference maybe you break it up by division maybe divisions become a little more important then i don't know or maybe it's a straight, hey, 64 games, you play you play one game there, and you play one game here. I know that would be kind of crazy because, you know, we have these conferences. People have been wanting to split those up as well. I mean, we really don't even look at the divisions anymore at all, if you think about it. Now... For my younger audience, there was a point in time where there was they still had them. There was Pacific Division. And people were really like pumped up if they won the Pacific Division or whatever. Now the Lakers never did because they were always looking for championships. But on the off chance that Sacramento or somebody else won it, they were psyched. You know? We don't care about those things anymore. So if we don't care about those anymore then why don't we just have no conferences whatsoever and just have a league, NBA league, we play each other twice, 64 games, boom, top 16 get in, March, not March Madness style because it's not one and done. You know, maybe you still have your little plan, you know, do that whole thing and just keep it moving. But if we're not going to go to that, if we're going to still have this, I don't agree with the rule of 65 games. Um, but I will say the reason for the rule is because they, the league and someone in that players association thought about the fans, thought about us, thought about the people who cover the league, thought about the television partners, all of the, these type of things. That is the genesis of this rule. Because whether you want to call it old school or whatever the case may be, there was a point in time where dudes played as much as they possibly can. Again, I will give you that this era is completely different. That's why throughout play less games. Make the games more important. But if we're under this bracket of rules and we're going to play 82 possibly 83 plus then playoffs then guess what they're going to have little staples in their CBA that are going to kind of force the guys to play now if the guys want to make a really big stink Maybe they can get into the collective bargaining agreement again and see if they can go ahead and shorten the season. Then everybody's happy. You could spread these games out. Games, 
the players would be more fresh. You'd have the performances that you'd be looking for. You'd have maybe the effort on defense that you're looking for, game in, game out. But at this point in time, the rules are the rules. And unfortunately, with this being said, getting back to Joel Embiid, it does look like there's a left tear in, there's a tear in the left knee in the meniscus. And we don't have any idea whether they're going to do surgery or they're going to try to give it rest and rehab and see if he can give it a go. So until we know something, you'll know something. All right. The other thing that I want to talk about is this, is that there seems to be also a big debate on expanding the all-star rosters and, and whatever. Um, I think there was one other thing I wanted to get to with that. Yeah, here it is. So I'm hearing a lot of uh, people on social talk about this guy got snubbed, this guy got snubbed, you know, DeMontis Wellness got snubbed, De'Aaron Fox, Trey Young, you know, why is Jalen Brunson not starting in the All-Star game? That's a that's a good question. You might might want to revisit that one. But here's the one thing that I'm going to say to, to, to the fans that are out there that are talking about, we should expand. Here's the thing. I don't think we should expand. I think that's the problem with this current iteration of sports in general. Oh, well, we should let this guy in and let this guy in. What makes the NBA so special and what makes these other leagues so special is that you have you have a a very small percentage that make it into the NBA, a very small percentage. Okay? Um there are 450 players in the league. There are 30 head coaches. There are 30 exec player personnel decision makers, however you want to call them. You know, one guy makes that call. You know, there are 30 majority owners or governors in the league. So to tell me that you want to be inclusive in such an exclusive society, which is the NBA, is kind of baffling to me. I don't think anybody thought about it that way, but, you know, we tell these kids that are in high school, only the best of the best get into the NBA or the NFL or Major League Baseball or whatever. Only the best of the best. You have to be this. You have to have a certain athletic profile, all these things, right? And it's true because the numbers bear it out. We got all these players getting ready for March Madness coming up in the next couple of weeks, right? And yeah, they might be able to play in Spain. Some of these guys might be able to play in in the like uh, the what is it? The uh, there's an Adriatic League, you know. There's a league in Israel. There's a league in Russia. There's a league a lot of places. You can play basketball in a lot of places, but if you want to play at the highest level. The NBA is it, and there's only 450 slots. That seems pretty exclusive to me. 
kind of like the All-Star game should be. Kind of like what the Hall of Fame should be. Shouldn't be the fame, the Hall of Very, Very Good. Should be the, the best of the best. So, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't get down with my young people when they talk about let's expand the rosters. Sorry. Call me old school. Call me whatever it is that you want to call me. But at this point in time, I think it should be special that you make an all-star team. And it gives you a kind of a footprint of what the league was in a certain decade, right? Because I don't believe in the, you know, the GOAT talk. Everybody wants to do all that. We talked about it on our pod in the last couple episodes. So go get the archive pods. But I will tell you that um, when it comes to this particular game and the snubs and what have you, I think it all works itself out. I think that people take this way, way too seriously. And yes, it does matter, I guess, in your Hall of Fame profile. But honestly, I think we would have a better indication of what the league is if we just looked at what the true all-stars were. Now, I understand that certain certain situations is a popularity contest. Um, a couple years ago, we had that Cade Pop star that got Andrew Wiggins into the playoffs. But that's an anomaly. That doesn't happen very often. Usually the people who are getting in, into the all-star games are very, very, very de- deserving. So I understand the cries. I understand the, the outrage, but I'm also liking the situation the way it is, keeping it as exclusive as possible. It should be like a treat. It should be a reward for your play throughout the season. The fans are appreciative of your efforts on the floor. That's why they voted you in. They want to be able to see your crazy athleticism or your shooting or whatever it is that you do in the game. And I think the fans should get that, you know, call me crazy. All right. We do a lot of Lakers on this podcast and I'll tell you, I'm actually kind of sick of it too, but here's the problem. They keep doing stuff for me to have to talk about them. And, um, what I want to get to with the Lakers is this, is that uh, we've uh, danced around a, a lot of subjects with them, what they're going to do, how can they get better, what's going to make them a contender, all these sorts of things. The emoji post that LeBron James put out there with the hourglass, we're going to get to that momentarily, but the, the one thing that I want to, want to get to first is this I want people to realize what the ownership structure is for the Lakers Jeannie Buss is the majority governor of the Los Angeles Lakers all right I understand it's one of the premier franchises in the league it's one of the crown jewels get all that but they have a really different type of ownership dynamic that I think people really don't clue themselves in on. So I'm going to break this down for you. Jeannie Buss believes in Palinka. 
and she is uh basically put that mandate out there and this ties into the lebron little emoji in a second so give me one second with this but as the majority owner genie bus only owns like 63 percent of the lakers okay that's a big chunk of change but the gutenheimer group yeah the gutenheim group has the other 20 the what yeah the only 37 percent of the of the lakers okay now that 63% is then split up between her and her siblings, which there are six of them. So that 63% turns into not as much, right? You know, we're looking at what, like a little bit over 10 point some odd or whatever. If you're talking about actual revenue for the majority owner, of the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, I don't know if the bus kids agree upon a certain amount of money of that revenue that gets kicked back into the team. I'm not aware of the inner workings of the bus family. But, I mean, that's how they make their money. All the other stuff that they do, a couple of the kids actually, you know, work in the organization. So I'm sure they pour back into the pour back into the franchise but there's a couple that are out there doing their own thing and really don't have a lot to do with the team and they allow genie and the other two sons to run the team with the gutenheim group and rob palinka at the helm getting back to lebron's emoji of the hourglass Obviously, this was a passive-aggressive move by LeBron that something needs to change, and we're running out of time. Everybody took that as certain guys on the team running out of time. I think actually what he was talking about is if we think we're going to turn this around and get to the place that we want to be, we're running out of time to achieve this goal. Now, could I be wrong? Yeah. Could he admit that he trying to get some people kicked out and get some other dudes in there? Most definitely. But I think LeBron wants to try to be successful. I think he has a goal every single year. And I think he thinks if we do certain things, we might be able to achieve that goal. But we're running out of time, running out of games. So I think that's what he was talking about there. But I also want to get to this, and I told you all the genie bus stuff for this particular reason. The Lakers are not touching the second apron. Okay? That's why I thought the Zach Levine rumors were absolutely erroneous. They're not touching it. Genie Bus is not touching that, not just because of all of the restrictions that it does to the team, and this team does not need restrictions. They need as much flexibility as possible because they don't have a lot of movement to do. So whatever they have, whatever flexibility they have, 
they have to keep it. So that Zach Levine deal was always a pipe dream. So for the people who were in on that, sorry to tell you, that was never going to happen. And I respect the Trevor Lanes of the world who do, you know, they do Laker Nation. The, the Cam Bros who are on Locked On Sports, Locked On Lakers or whatever, they do a great job. Um, I'm just here to paint this picture for you. In the climate of the NBA at this present time, Jeannie Buss can't look at the Lakers and go, I'm going to pay because I think we have an opportunity to win. And I'll tell you exactly why that is. LeBron can sit here, do all the passive-aggressive stuff, stare at Kalinka, make comments, vague comments, all he wants. But the truth of the matter is, the nasty truth of it is, is the Lakers with LeBron and AD as the two guys at the top of the uh, food chain, aren't sufficient to win a championship. And I know that's hard to hear for people. I know it is. But they're not a legitimate contender. LeBron isn't the difference maker he was five, six years ago. AD is playing excellently. He's playing out of his mind. But look at the record. The record tells you what they are. Now, in the preseason, this podcast did hit you that they were going to be a playing team. And that's kind of where they are at this point. They look like a playing team. Unfortunately, the two stars who are making $88.2 million of the 166.5 that's available to the Lakers at this present time, because I will tell you again, they're not going over the cap. I think the cap right now is 168, 169. They're not going over. So that 166 is pretty much about where they're going to be. But with AD and LeBron making 88.2, and I do not sit here and think they should be making less bread, but they're part of the reason why the Lakers can't get over and I'll tell and I'll, we're going to we're going to go through an exercise in a second so bear with me they got limited assets uh people don't look at Delo as 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 a real blue chip asset at all unfortunately they look at the 2029 pick as the kind of the crown jewel of that situation And let's ask this question. Let's just be let's just be real blunt about it, real real fair about it. I'm gonna give you a list of people, list of tandems or whatever the case may be, and you tell me. All right. Celtics, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Who would you rather have? AD or LeBron at this present time? Bucks, Giannis and Dame. I don't know. Knicks, Brunson, and Randall. I mean, you can make an argument, right, for AD and LeBron there. 
Cavs, Donovan Mitchell and whatever guy is on a heater because right now it doesn't matter. It's Donovan Mitchell in in the in the Mitchellettes. So I can understand AD and, and, and LeBron there. Pacers, Halliburton and Siakam. Oh no. I like I like Halliburton a lot. OKC Thunder, Gilgis Alexander and, and J Dub or Chet. Which one you want? AD and LeBron or or, or that tandem? Timberwolves, Ant Edwards and Cat. Yeah, that looks great. Clippers, Kawhi, PG, or James Arden, the beard. Which one you want? Kawhi is, is on a mission this year. The numbers that that cat is putting up is ridiculous right now. Nuggets, Jokic and Murray. I mean, honestly, one of the best duels in the league. Stuns, Booker and, and KD. Who you want? Pelicans, Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. Well, you can give me the argument that LeBron and AD are better. And, you know, we don't know if Zion is going to play. Hey. um, I mean... I can understand, but it's not as like clear cut as we want to try to really make it out to be. Then Mavs have Luca and Kyrie. I'm just saying, when you think about the Lakers and you think about their tandem, you think about all of that situation. Do you honestly look at that team and go, that's a championship team? They can contend. Or. Do they need another guy? By the way, just to kind of back it up, Jokic last night scored 27 points, 22 rebounds, 12 assists, two blocks in 38 minutes in a 120-108 to 108 victory over the Portland Trailblazers. Now, I mean, I understand the Trailblazers aren't great, but Jokic is just, he's just amazing. Scoop had a game. Scoop, our guy. Okay. He had 30 points in that game on 8 of 15 shooting and 3 of 7 from the three-point line. And then the other game that I want to kind of spotlight, because there's one other thing we're going to get to today, and I want to do this because it's kind of cool. I'm really excited about it. Um but we're going to look at all the franchises and, and what they might do or kind of what they're looking for. So every franchise, like, we're going to run them down for you. So looking forward to that. But Zion and Wimby played Friday night. And what a great game by those two guys. And then Zion said that Wimby could win three, four defensive players a year. He said, I don't want to put a limit on him, but definitely he can win an MVP in his eyes. But those two battled last night. Zion closed it out, and they won 114-113. to Wimby had 16 points, 14 rebounds. He had seven assists, 
He also threw on three blocks and two steals. Zion wasn't too shabby. Like I said, he closed it out. He also had 33 points, eight rebounds, four assists. And it looks like Zion's on pace to play 65 games this year so far. And that would be the most in his career. So uh, good for Zion. He's staying healthy. Uh, great little situation for that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's interesting. All right. We have another thing to get to, which I'm, again, so excited about. And the reason why I'm excited about this is because of we're trying to give you a little insight into teams and, and what they're thinking and, and, and whatever. So what we're doing is we're calling this front runner franchise focus. Now we're not, we're not focusing on one franchise at this present time. We're going to call this the NBA trade deadline front runner franchise focus. So we're, we're focusing on the entire NBA. So what we're going to do is go run down all the teams and we're going to, going to, Look at what they might be doing, what we've heard. We'll give you a, a blurb on each team. Uh, if I think it needs a little more nuance, I'll give you that, and we'll go from there. So that's that's what we'll do. So we're going to start off with the Boston Celtics. Boston Celtics are searching around the margins. What I've heard is they're looking for a guard with size. Somebody can handle the ball, shoot it. Somebody where they're not just picking on Pritchard because he's kind of like the Achilles heel right there. I've also heard that they're looking for a big, which didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Unless you're saying you want some Al Horford insurance. The Bucks, <laughs> they're in flux. They need a wing, and they need a wing that can provide some ball pressure. Unfortunately, with Dane, uh, Middleton's kind of slowed down, but he's looked a lot better as the year has progressed. They just can't really lock in that, like, two slot. You know, they just can't lock that in. And um, they'll be looking for somebody to try to fill that during this trade deadline. The Knicks. The Knicks are lurking for a star. Um, keep in mind, they have an Evan Fournier expiring contract that they can get rid of. They do have some pieces that if they wanted to move, they could. But I wonder what they're going to do with Randall being out. Do they just go and get margin pieces and then go into the offseason, and then look for their start just because of how tumultuous everything is at this point in time. The Cavaliers are kind of in complete limbo. We had the, the great performances by Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen. Uh, Jared Allen got hurt last night, which bummer. Real sad about that one. Mobley's back. With Mobley being back and Darius uh, Garland being back, now do they go back to playing the way they were before or do they continue this trend of how they're playing right now 
and leaving kind of the less and more less is more uh philosophy intact or do they go back to the same old same old interesting days in cleveland the 76ers, well, right now everything's on pause until we figure out what's going on with Embiid. Maybe something around the margins. Hope they get the big guy back and see what they have. But I think if you don't have a real clear-cut view of how stable that knee is going to be, especially with the games that are going to be in the playoff, it's an absolute pounding. There's a lot going on. If he's not real straight, are you going all in this year or are you just going to wait and really have the whole offseason kind of figure out what you're going to do? So the Pacers, they might be buying and selling at the same time. They still got some young pieces that they can move off of. They wanted to. They could reinforce what they've already done with the Pascal Siakam trade. So it'd be really intriguing to see what they do. But they that they have Jarius Walker out of Houston, who was their lottery pick this year. They still have Ben Matherin, and they have a couple contracts. So I wonder what they're going to do in that respect. But they have been out there looking around. Just don't know exactly what they are looking for. The Rozier deal actually complicates things, and actually I'm kind of glad that we're bringing this up because in a previous podcast, we talked about it. Everything hadn't come out yet, but that first-round pick that conveys um, to Charlotte, it has more protections on it, and it puts that pick out till 2029. And those details weren't out during the pod, so... I wanted to go ahead and clean that up while we're here. But now, you can still reimagine this team a little bit. And I'll tell you why. If you look at Tyler Hero and you say, let's get two pieces for one, you might be able to do something there. Um, now, his value around the league is varying depending on who you talk to. There's a lot of people who say it doesn't have a bunch of value. And there's some people who says, oh, yeah, make that work. Because the one thing that Tyler Hero does do is he shoots. He can shoot the three. And he can shoot it off the dribble. Or spot up. So I think that he would have some value in the league. I think it's on the other side of the wall that might be the problem with him. So that might be the issue there. The magic. They have the ability to do pretty much anything, or they can just practice patience. Now, what I have heard is that they are sniffing around a veteran guard, and they're talking about a real veteran guard. I've heard things like Chris Paul. I've heard things like Kyle Lowry. I've heard things like that. So I think they're looking for a veteran guard that can kind of, when the chaos is going on, you got somebody there that can be like, listen, let's just get into our stuff and run a play. The Bulls. <laughs> the Bulls are trying to desperately stay in the middle, which is weird. Uh, 
Not a lot of traction on the Zach Levine deal. What I've heard from there is that the Bulls would literally have to make a trade like with Caruso, get assets back, players and picks, and then jettison off Zach Levine. That's the latest. Um, now that's not just me. That's uh that's Jake Fisher, Yahoo, Shams has reported that, other people have reported that, but I wonder if somebody is going to take a swing on him. Just just I wonder if that is if you can get a low enough price where maybe you can put some protections on the first, is that enough to tantalize the Chicago Bulls in trading Zach Levine? Who well, here's the thing. I know a lot of people want to crap on him. I crapped on him. I didn't want him to be a Laker at all. But if you can get a guy who can legitimately give you 27 points a game, could you work around his defense? Now, if you're just a piss-poor defensive team, probably not. But if you have a collective unit that you could really put around him, might be scary season if you got another score that works well. The Hawks. <laughs> the Hawks are another, another iteration of that roster loading, basically. We've heard things on Bogdan Bogdanovich. We've heard things on DeJounte Murray. We've heard things on DeAndre Hunter. Now, those things have started to die down a little bit, but I still think the Hawks will be active as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline. The Nets. Well, there's a report out there <laughs> that the Nets turned down five first-round picks for uh, Mikael Bridges. Now, I will tell you what this is, is that I believe they were offered five first-round picks, no doubt, but I'm also under the impression that those first-round picks were, there were some swaps, there were maybe some heavily protected picks, and I can understand why the, the Brooklyn Nets would turn down that offer. I'm not giving you Mikel Bridges for, you know, top 16, two top 16 protected picks and, you know, a couple swaps here and there, whatever. No. No, thank you. The Raptors, Bruce Brown Jr. Yes, sir. That's the deal. I'm just letting you know right now. That's where the focus is. He is not long for Toronto. I think that will be something that we will definitely see out of Toronto before the trade deadline. We get to the Hornets now. Question. I know that he has a crazy pass. No stuff is going on with him. Miles Bridges, could you buy low? Could a team buy low on him? I have a couple thoughts on that. The Wizards. The Wizards. Is Kuzma going to get dealt and if so, what is he going to get dealt for? I think the Tyus Jones deal is probably going to get done as well. But I think we're going to be maybe a little underwhelmed on that. Because I don't think they're going to get the first round pick that they're looking for with Tyus Jones. The Pistons, 
Um, I'm I'm weirded out here because they did move Marvin Bagley the third. Um, they really didn't get anything back for him. They they screamed salary cap relief. You know, we got more room, but who's going to Detroit? Let's be honest. There, they need something that that is a floor riser. You know, they need a floor riser there in the worst way. I don't know if that's the Levine situation at all. I don't know what to tell you, but they definitely need something that can say, hey, listen, at least we can be competitive in these games and let's see if our talent, our young talent, can figure it out so we can actually look really competitive. All right, let's move on to the Timberwolves. Unfortunately, they're going to be going bargain basement shopping. Um, they're kind of in the same situation as Milwaukee. They'd have to move off a piece to really do anything major to uh, to really better that team. And I don't think they're really willing to do that. So I'm looking at margin pieces only. Hmm. Um, Thunder. We all know what they need. Bigs. <clears throat> Any big with some thickness to them. That would be great. You know, I don't know if you have to trade for it or wait for the buyout. I don't know. I don't know if uh, our guy, Andre Drummond, who always seems to be like the greatest buyout candidate in the history of mankind. He always seems to end up on in real opportune situations. We'll see. The Nuggets are really interesting. Will the youth movement prevail? Or will Calvin Booth go ahead and uh, get a uh, a vet in there to kind of stabilize that, uh, that second unit? Kings. They need a move. They need a, a needle mover. Sabonis is nice. He plays hard. He is very productive. De'Aaron Fox is really good, really good. But that team needs something. It just needs something else. And I don't know. Um, I'm not saying you move off Keegan Murray. Not at all. But I wonder if you have a couple contracts that you can pull together and grab another guy and allow Keegan to just continue to develop and, and grow, you know, without the pressure. It's like, listen, now you don't have to score 18, you know? If you want to give us 14 to 15 and then every once in a while jump up to 26 or whatever, great. But at this point, they're kind of in that situation, right? That's where they are. So I'm interested to see what ends up happening during the trade deadline. Let's get to the Suns. And the Suns, <laughs> here's my question. Do the Suns have any seconds that they can splice into atom size bites to get anything of note? I don't think they have anything to give at this point. Pel Pelicans, we talked about it in the last podcast, so 
Go watch the last podcast. We did a whole thing on them. I'll just say the key word is consolidation. And also maybe a playmaking uh, guard. The Mavericks, they need a wing. They need a big wing. Kuzma, Harrison Barnes, Mikhail Bridges, uh, Bobo Fett, uh, Chewbacca, uh, CP3O, um, whomever. They need a wing. Uh, it would preferably somebody who could be okay with scoring like uh, 16 points a game, but providing really, really good defense. That sounds like OG Ananobi a lot, though, huh? Hmm. Well, they couldn't get him. All right. The Lakers. The Lakers need a reliable scorer. They need a third guy. D'Lo could be that guy, but I don't think he's on the level that LeBron would trust him enough to be that scorer to give him the the rope, the you know, to the reins to be able to do it. I think he doesn't trust everybody on his team. And I think that's a him problem, not a Laker problem. Just as we'll get Ooh, you know what? I'm gonna do it right here. The Lakers went into Boston, beat Boston LeBron wasn't there. AD wasn't there. They were missing the game. They had injuries. They were resting, whatever. Um, They played a lot. So I don't have any problems with them taking this game off. All funny that it was this game, though. It was the Boston game where it was kind of like, oh, this is probably an L for us. But Austin Reeves went out there and balled out, scored 32 D'Angelo Russell was out there with 14 assists. He was doing his thing. It was crazy. We had a... Vando got hurt. You know, we used to say people... Christie was contributing. Jackson Hayes had a hell of a game. But... I will tell you that... LeBron needs to trust somebody. Somebody who can handle the ball. I understand he trusts AD, but AD is not going to be handling the ball all the time. He needs to be able to respect whoever that person is. I don't know if DeJounte Murray is on that level for him. Will he give him that respect where he's like, okay, you can be the point guard, and then in crunch time minutes or like at the end of quarters, I'll come in and I'll do my thing, and then I can kind of preserve myself. Until the Lakers get to that point, until they can either convince LeBron that's where he needs to be or LeBron comes to that on his own volition, I think the Lakers are where they are. But they do need a reliable scorer, and it's whether LeBron thinks D'Lo is capable of being that reliable scorer or do does he look at him and say, we need to upgrade him. Jazz. Utah Jazz are next, and I I have no idea. No idea what they're going to do. Trader Dan- Danny could do anything he desires. He could trade away the Olenics of the world, the Clarksons of the world, the Collins of the world, kind of delve back into that lottery situation. <clears throat> It's funny, Utah the last couple of years has kind of given you a sneak peek of what could be once they have all their kind of pieces together. 
but then Danny does something like towards the trade deadline and kind of pulls it away. We'll see if he does it this year. The Rockets. I have a good question for H-Town. Let me ask y'all a question. Uh, I'm hearing that Jalen Green is not part of your future. So uh, what's up with that? Um, Number two overall pick. uh, Great scorer. Gets the whole incredible bounce. um, Really athletic. And I don't understand the disconnect between Udoka and him. I just don't get that situation. So he could be on the move. I I'm, don't know. I, I didn't know you guys were really trying to push the uh, envelope here and move into hyperdrive on this uh, rebuild. But it looks like that's where you guys are going. So good luck there. We'll see what you guys get. <laughs> the Warriors. Now, I reported on this podcast because Jake Fisher and, and others had reported themselves, and I thought it was absolutely hilarious. But it was reported like three or four weeks ago that everybody except Curry was available. Now the story has changed, and it was the story that I was telling you. It was everybody's available except for Clay, Draymond, and Curry. This is what we told you three to four weeks ago on this podcast. I have a pretty good connection uh, in Golden State. I got a pretty good line into there. So I told you three or four weeks ago this was never going to happen. And they're probably going to move the young kids and see if they can do something. If if that's what they choose to do, because I don't know. They might be looking at this situation going, do we just kind of allow it to go this way for a second and then see if there's something we can do in the offseason? I forgot the Clippers. I'm so sorry. The Clippers are a margin team. So sorry. No disrespect to the Clippers. They play amazing basketball, but the Clippers are margin. They're margin hunting. Okay. It is not going to be a big move at all. Maybe a backup big. Maybe something, who knows, but it's not going to be a huge move. Grizzlies are punting on the season. They might trade away some people. I know they're trying to get further and further away from the aprons that the cap, you know, with the cap uh, restrictions that you have. So look for like cost cutting moves from the Memphis Grizzlies going forward. Trailblazers. I wonder what Joe Cronin's voicemail looks like right now. I know that thing is full. I know when you get his voicemail, it's like the voicemail that you reach is full. Goodbye. People are calling on Brogdon. People are calling on Jeremy Grant. Um, I've heard a little buzz around the Robert Williams situation, which is weird because I didn't think anybody will want to do anything with him until next year. But I heard maybe people trying to get in early and trying to buy low on Robert Williams, but Joe Cronin is not going for it. So we'll see how that goes out. And then last but not least, the Spurs. And the Spurs really, they need a guard. 
the guard shopping, guard hunt, their guard guard shopping, they're they're scavenging the NBA landscape for guard. So that's what I look for them to do. So that is your front runner franchise focus on the NBA trade deadline. We are going to be trying to do something like that every single week. Um, I think it's a good segment, and I hope you guys really enjoy it too. So hit me up on X. Let me know what you think about that situation, and uh, we'll go from there. A couple other things we can get to before we get up out of here. Steven Adams being traded. Like I said, this is the money move. This is them getting their salaries under check before next year. Um, they got three seconds, but it's that's inconsequential at this point. It's the flexibility that this is giving them. And again, I would um, look for more moves like that in the upcoming days for the Memphis Grizzlies. So the move was Steven Adams, their longtime center, to the Houston Rockets for Victor Oladipo, often injured Victor Oladipo, and three seconds. I don't think Victor will even step foot in Memphis, honestly. I think this is just, like I said, his salary will expire. Steven Adams has another year on his contract. Flexibility, folks. Okay. The last thing that we're going to get to is that we know the we know the long rumored guys that we've heard out there. DeJounte Murray, Zach Levine, Bruce Brown, Tyus Jones, Kyle Kuzma. So I'm going to throw out some names that would surprise us if they if they uh moved. But I wonder if it's a surprise at all. So these are out of nowhere moves. Would the Bucks move Middleton for pieces? One of the things that we've been talking about with the Milwaukee Bucks is that their defense is porous on the outside. They don't have an on-ball pressure guy. Could you trade Middleton and get two or three pieces that would be able to allow you to kind of hide Dame a little, hide Dame a little bit. I would hope so. Now, a lot of people would say Mitchell, 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 Mitchell. Could this be a Mobley trade situation? Could Evan Mobley be traded? Could they have seen enough? Now, Jared Allen being hurt. Throws a monkey wrench into this. I wrote this before I saw that injury, so probably not. But before the injury, I was thinking about it. I was wondering if in the team and how it played, because Evan Mobley was out for a long period of time. So was Darius Garland. I'm glad to see those guys back. But I was wondering if Cavaliers brass saw enough with the explosion of the offense and how smoothly it looked that they might go a different direction. Even though Mowgli is kind of a distressed asset, he still has a lot of value around the league because his defense is so great. We talked about it earlier, the Pacers with Jarius Walker. I wonder what could happen there. Bulls, DeMar DeRozan, Caruso, 
will they finally decide to go ahead and pull the plug or stay middling for the rest of their lives? I have no idea. We talked about the Jalen Green one for the Houston Rockets. The three that I left for you are the three that are probably going to make social media absolutely lose their mind. But I'm going to ask this question. I have... I don't know. You might kill me. You might think I'm a complete moron. But these are questions that I have. Could the Heat possibly move off of Jimmy Butler and go ahead and kind of re-gather some assets to make a fundamental shift in the team? And the reason why I say that is that you got Terry Rozier not playing great. Um, Jimmy plays sparingly now, and you know what you're going to get in the playoffs, but you know we have a disinterested Jimmy in the regular season, and then we have a monster in the postseason. But I wonder if they would go ahead and see landscape the way it is right now. Seeing how the, the East is stacked up, would it be time to move Jimmy and pick up some pieces that can help you down the line and start reimagining the starting lineup of this franchise. The other one that I had for you, and this is kind of a doozy. Would the Portland Trailblazers trade Anthony Simons? Scoot's already there, right? I know that Malcolm Brogdon is the piece that they're moving. And I'm not saying that you give up on Anthony Simons. And listen, Trailblade, listen, Rip City, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to tear your team apart. I'm just asking this question. If Scoot is the eventual point guard, Anthony Simons needs the ball. You can't have him as the two guard because we're back in the same situation we were with Dame and CJ. So my question is, is that could Anthony Simons get Cronin back that crazy five, seven pick deal? Just thoughts, just thoughts. But Anthony Simons and Jimmy Butler are the two guys that I thought of when I said out of nowhere, if they were traded, we would be like, whoa. So hit me up on Twitter. Or X, Frontrunner PC, let me know what you guys think of that. And with that being said, we can get up out of here. Um, I will tell you that since we are dropping this on Saturday, we will probably go ahead and get a podcast out to you Tuesday. Um, I want to kind of set up the rest of the week for you. If something of note really breaks, obviously before Tuesday, we will do a bonus pod. If for some reason nothing happens, Tuesday will hit the pot. Now, when the trade deadline passes and everything is in, we will do a trade dead after trade deadline special. That podcast will probably be long, depending on how many moves there are in the on you know within the next uh, four or five days. So that's where we are. 
I just wanted to kind of give you guys a breakdown of what we're looking at. We are staying on top of this as much as possible. And again, I am so thankful to everybody. The numbers are just growing. Thank you so much. Again, be a friend, tell a friend, get somebody on this pod, have them tap in on uh, X, have them tap in on you, the YouTube channel as well. So thank you guys again. You guys have a great weekend. Enjoy the hoops and we'll see you on this pod Tuesday. Be easy.